everybody, and welcome back to Thank Godzilla. It's Friday. It's Friday. And that means it's Godzilla. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. I write for The Rap. I write for Slash Film. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a film critic. I contribute to Slash Film. And uh, we're uh, reviewing one of the best movies ever made. <laughs> Uh, this is our podcast where we cover every single movie in the Godzilla uh, series, including the ones that are Godzilla adjacent. Uh, and uh, we we are almost at the end of the original Showa era of Godzilla, and we hadn't yet met one of Gar- Godzilla's arch nemeses. His, his doppelganger. Yeah, every hero, you go on long enough, you get a doppelganger. Spider-Man mm. had Venom. Superman had Bizarro. Uh, and that's about it, really. Uh, and Godzilla, uh, of course, has Mechagodzilla. Uh, I, I believe Earthworm Jim said it best when he said, Superheroes and evil twins go together like peanut butter and evil peanut butter. <laughs> uh, there's a, yeah, th- th- this, usually when the superhero meets their evil twin, it, kind of as a sign that people are running out of ideas but i i kind of like it a lot of the time <laughs> i like the sort of dark like bizarro is a fun character um I, I know conceptually venom is kind of a strange idea but i kind of like venom as this like snot monster that's chosen to look like spider-man yeah uh, he's, he's obsessed with spider-man really he's he's, he's got like a weird yeah. fixation on spider-man and that's always kind of fun well, uh, in the comic books, the the black glop is like this living alien that was once part of Spider-Man, and Spider-Man essentially broke up with him, and he's been jealous ever since. And yeah. that's that's kind of a, and that, know, no I, matter what person the glop wraps itself around, that's Spider-Man's new arch enemy. Yeah, that that I, as my understanding changed lately in like the last 10 years mm. or so they decided to do some new weird things with that particular version of uh the the alien symbiote uh but i fell out of marvel comics at least on a regular basis a long time ago uh, i remember very distinctly uh i was i was p- paying a lot of money every week on no. individual comics because i love comics uh, uh but yeah. i was getting event fatigue i just couldn't like I couldn't just enjoy my comics and like have my characters be in the status quo because every six months, whatever they were doing was interrupted by whatever big event was happening at DC and Marvel. And I remember I was at Comic-Con and Joe Quesada, who was running Marvel at the time, said, uh, hey, you know, I, I know some people aren't a big fan of these huge events, but um, people keep buying them. So if you don't want us to do them, stop buying the comics. So I did, and that was ten years ago. And I've only <laughs> and bought still a, doing the events. I've only I've only bought a handful of Marvel <laughs> comics ever since. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, in the case of Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, there's something uh, there's something kind of pure about the way Godzilla now functions at this point uh, in the franchise, where it's just about finding him a good opponent. It's it's not unlike a Rocky movie if Rocky didn't have an arc. Uh, it's basically like, who's he going to fight this this time? Is they Are they going to be really tough? Is Rocky only going to beat him right at the end? Awesome sauce. Great job, everybody. We made a great Rocky. Uh, he's fought, like, space roosters with razors on them. 
He fought smog, uh, the, not, not the dragon, the actual smog. Uh, and uh, it's actually kind of weird that it took him this long. And in fact, in the film that we're uh, reviewing today, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, the premise of getting Godzilla a robot arch nemesis stems all the way back from King Kong Escapes when we had Mechanicong. They were inspired by Mechanicong. And indeed, the plot of this episode, or this, uh, this, this installment, if you will, uh, has a few similarities to King Kong Escapes in that there's, you know, uh, an evil super lair and they've built a giant mechanical version of the main monster and they have to kidnap a scientist and make him do stuff for him. And it, uh, it's all going to lead to a big old fight now, isn't it? Yeah, although th- this film, uh, rather than rely on just Mechagodzilla, decided to hedge its bets by adding another stranger uh, monster. Mm. And as far as I can tell, uh, King Caesar, the guest monster, is the first wholly magical monster we've had in Godzilla. Mm. Yeah, he's, all, he's all actually a religious icon. Sort of, yeah, yeah there, there, there have been other monsters, but they're always either, you know, from outer space like king geeter i guess you know a golden dragon kind of has magic about him but the, it's, it's also this lo- yeah this kind of lovecraftian space deity which is slightly different uh you can everything argue... else has been either like a machine an alien or something under alien control or just an animal uh mutated by some kind of technology uh there i, uh, king I, I, Caesar I think you're is, wrong about is that. a deity Pardon? I think you're wrong about that, actually. King Caesar is a deity, that's true. Uh, he's modeled after hmm. the uh, Japanese uh, sort of dragon statues, like the, the lion dragons. Uh, but uh, I would actually argue that if we are going off of which uh, kaiju is a deity, wasn't mutated, near as we can tell, by nuclear hmm. radiation, uh, Mothra. Mothra is worshipped as a deity, but yeah. I got the impression that Mothra is just a giant animal. Uh, like, at what point is there like a? It... So wait a minute. So you're saying that if King Caesar was just a big dog, that would not be a god. But because it's a dog type person or a lion type person, you know, it, mm. that all of a sudden, well, it's... now you worship them. I feel like that's kind of arbitrary. No, I I suppose so. I feel like um, Ma- I guess it's hard to. I well, guess well, Mothra does kind of. I count, mean, where, but, uh... where where do where do the peanuts come from? Then, like, what are what what. That's a totally. That, I feel like that's an offshoot, an offshoot of mm. the Mothra sort of yeah. uh, uh, well, and, religion. Uh, yeah, another basis. thing. Yeah, yeah, another thing. Mothra and and King Caesar have in common is that uh, they need to be awakened by sort of a passionate song. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the big subplot with King Caesar is uh, some of the human characters have found uh, like a little statue, like this idol of King Caesar. And right when they're, I think right when the the sun is in the sky just right, they're able to arrange this statue on a rooftop and like a laser beam fires out of the statue and blasts open a mountain where King Caesar has been essentially hibernating. Yeah, but that's and still not good enough. That's still that's not, not good, good enough. enough. So not, now that it's exposed, but it's still asleep. And so in order to awaken King Caesar, uh, a woman has to stand on a beach and sing this actually really long song uh, yeah. to King Caesar, called King Caesar, about King Caesar, just saying, wake up and help us kick a robot ass. It's a good thing Caesar's she like, knew that oh. song. Do you think she made up that song, or do you think that song's been passed down for thousands mm-hmm. of years? Because that song is a banger. 
It's it's a sense memory, I'm guessing, okay. like passed on through like some sort of yeah. Jungian thing. Yeah. Uh, just you know the lyrics as part of your soul. Yeah, uh, she sings this song, King Caesar, please wake up. There's a Mecha Godzilla, and King Caesar's like, oh, Mecha Godzilla, fuck. I gotta gotta take care of that shit. <laughs> That's gotta and, blow uh, King Caesar's mind. King Caesar's been hibernating inside a mountain for like thousands, hundreds if not thousands of years, and the first thing you see is a Mecha Godzilla. That is gotta be like a cold shower. That's just like you know I don't I don't know idea what's going on anytime. It's it's this brick of dune. What am I doing here? <laughs> I I appreciate how unflappable King Caesar is. Mm-hmm. That uh, you know, oh Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, I got this. Mm-hmm. Like I I know what I know what to do about that. Like it doesn't matter. I under I recognize this giant robot as a, an evil monster, and mm-hmm. I gotta kick its butt. I appreciate uh, that King Caesar had been in that mountain that entire time, doesn't know about Mecha Godzilla, but did know about Brigadoon. Uh, mm-hmm. That that gives me some hope. I feel um, the the whole King Caesar subplot really does feel like padding, though it really isn't necessary. Uh, it it adds like a kind of uh, this is the last uh, Godzilla film directed by Jun Fukuda, by the way. And um, Jun Fukuda has, has often had this kind of, like, sort of childlike uh, uh, energy. Like, he's, he's, he's always, like, racing to get from one wild thing to another. And this one, mm. it feels like he's actually channeling a lot of Ishiro Honda and that there's a lot of... Yeah. There's a lot of focus. And there's <laughs> a lot of emphasis on subplots, which really aren't that important to the Godzilla thing, but it feels like his heart's more in them. And this whole, we found an idol in a cave and we have to solve a series of mysteries and there's like a prophecy that's coming true feels a lot more like a precursor to Indiana Jones than it has anything to do with Godzilla. I I agree with you that uh, Jun Fukuda is is trying to make an Ishiro Honda movie. It looks and is edited like an Ishiro Honda movie. Uh, it's a lot brighter and clearer. It still has that uh, sort of Saturday morning matinee vibe, but mm. it it's this is a weird thing to say about a movie with four monsters in it, <laughs> and one of them is Mechagodzilla, <laughs> but it does have a little bit more restraint than something like Godzilla vs. Gigan, certainly more than Godzilla vs. Megalon, which yeah. was just silliness from beginning to end. That, that's just throwing stuff at a wall in every scene. Just throw more yeah. more stuff, more incident. Like It, it feels like... Um... If if to make a more modern comparison, it's not the same thing. But if you if you're having trouble wrapping your head around like sort of what the contemporary version of this would be, it's the difference between watching like uh, I don't know like a, like a Christopher Nolan Batman movie where you can you know uh-huh. it's, it's it, there's a fundamental ridiculousness to it, but someone's trying to take it seriously, uh, and a Michael Bay Transformers movie which is full of stuff. And a lot of people mm-hmm. really like it, and it's certainly, you know, a, a, a thing you can watch in an afternoon, and sometimes it's entertaining, uh, but oftentimes it's just a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's nowhere near I, as hectic or chaotic as, May, as Bay's work, but I feel like it's the closest thing I can think of to try to describe I, it. I, I, I can say, I think that's a fair analogy. Um, something, uh, and something I think Jun Fukuda is trying to bring to uh, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla is... This movie seems to, at least to my eye, be about something. Like mm. he's, there's actually something going on in this. You look at Godzilla versus Megalon. What's that movie about? It's about monsters wailing on each other. You know, there's not a lot of of thought to it. It's, I guess you could say it's about like environmental encroaching, encroaching on like uh, 
into other people's lands, there's that Mothra thing where the the home country of the under what were they called? The Seatopians uh, yeah. were uh, their their world was sort of being invaded by uh, the people on the surface, and they were uh, you know unleashed this gigantic beetle as as a form of retribution. Yeah, kind like that. Kind of, there's something thematic going on there, but not really. It's just kind of almost an excuse to get this giant drill handed bug out onto the surface. Yeah. Uh, if we're to take Godzilla as a symbol of weapons technology. It's now been, you know, 20 years since the, the debut of this thing. And Godzilla is now sort of the old technology, represents the old world, represents a lot more tradition. Godzilla was created by weapons technology, but Godzilla has now turned, you know, as we've discussed as we've watched these movies, turned himself into something a little bit more benevolent, something defensive, something a little bit more uh, abstract in terms of the Japanese national character about strength. And now that strength is being channeled directly back at weapons technology, because that's what Mechagodzilla is. Yeah. Mechagodzilla is an artificial weapon uh, in the control of these ape-like aliens mm-hmm. trying to take over Japan. And Godzilla is now using his original purpose to essentially destroy his original symbolism. Yeah. Uh, Mechagodzilla... As the Jungians might say, is the shadow of Godzilla, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm serious about this. I think there's actually something really kind of profound lurking beneath the surface of this completely ridiculous monster movie, which I happen to adore. Because on top of all of you know that that sort of symbolism, it's also just a fun movie about a robot wailing on a giant monster. I mean, you definitely and, have that too. You definitely have yeah, that too. And, but yeah. and the, the, the scenes at the end where they... Uh, this is uh, the first film to use, I think, this much animation effect. Uh, Mechagodzilla has a lot of like animated laser beams and a lot of... Uh, there's a scene where he spins his head around and creates this kind of like electromagnetic shield around his body. Mm-hmm. Uh, King's, like he shoots a rainbow laser out of his eyes, which King Caesar is able to kind of reflect back at one point. Uh all of that's really fun. All of it's just visually exciting to look at. Yeah. And uh, and of course we have you know scenes where Godzilla and Mechagodzilla when they finally face, uh, you know, first of all Mechagodzilla gets the upper hand, then Godzilla gets the upper hand, and finally Godzilla twists his fucking head off. And I love that. <laughs> like a toy. I, yeah. I'm I'm watching this thing and I'm I'm cheering like I'm watching a boxing match. Like yeah, get him, get Mech, rip him apart, man. Yeah. But, but there's there's just so much so much pleasure to be had. To, to your previous point though, and like you can again, I think the Jin Fukuda films in particular are, uh, even if he is thinking about something, there is a, a, a an easy way to just enjoy it as matinee pablum. Uh, mm. But you know, to your point about like you know, Godzilla represents uh, again you know, the Japanese national character, and Mechagodzilla represent, uh, represents sort of an encroaching militaristic. Uh, technology, more threats from the outside world. Um, you, one could even argue uh, a sort of a, 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 you know, people trying to copy their shit, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the other main monster in this movie, and there's another one I don't want to talk about him in a second, but uh, the other main monster, as we said, is King Caesar, which is, again, based on the uh, Shiza lion statues. Uh, well, again, that's not just a random monster. That is specifically a cultural icon. 
Uh, and that mm. is two prominent Japanese, uh, uh, you know, a, 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 a deity and a sort of a modern science deity mm. combining forces to protect yeah. Japan. Or specifically, yeah. actually, and this is uh, one distinction, uh, in this movie it takes place almost entirely in Okinawa. Oh, so, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's something that is, uh, I, I think, if memory serves, Okinawa was uh, mentioned, or maybe there were some scenes that took place there in God's, in the original Gojira or Godzilla Raids again. But mm. generally speaking, uh, it's, it's mostly been mainland Japan. Uh, and so this gives it sort of a, a, a different vibe uh, in general. And there's a different uh, uh, sort of, um, there, there's mm. a lot more emphasis on <coughs> history and yeah, the history, well, the archaeological um, history of Japan as not just uh, something that's important, but also something that will see them, th- that will see the, the people of Japan through, you know? Yeah. Um, there, There's a lot of films uh, that, and this is just sort of my... Uh, my observation and it's a popular observation as you know an american film critic but a lot of films that come out of japan uh tend to cover themes of uh modernity versus tradition that's a big a big theme that comes up time and time again in a lot of japanese cinema that there's a, a you know sort of a modern world and an ancient world and these things are constantly at conflict uh this makes sense because japan is especially compared to America, a yeah. very ancient nation. Uh, it's It's yeah. been around for, you know, much, much, much longer than, you know, our, our little scrappy, barely adolescent country that's only 200-some years old. Yeah, it, uh, it's, it's weird how little we, we actually really think about and reckon with that. Like, we're we're struggling to deal with, like, the legacy of the 20th century and the 19th century. And... Yeah, imagine in, in, a, in if we're still around in hundreds of years, that's just going to compile, you know, yeah. make our make our identity uh, uh, much more complicated. Yeah, like when 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 was uh, when was the first uh, like imperial dynasty founded in Japan? It was like sometime in in like like six hundred BC. Like it's, it, it was a long time up. ago. I'm gonna look this up. Hang yeah. On. I'm pretty sure that, you know, it, it was, it was like before 1000 or after 1000 BC, but around there. Um, so yeah, very, a very, very old country has a lot of very old traditions. Um, a, a lot of, uh, I mean, <laughs> to, to, to crib like an Eddie Izzard line, uh, where the history comes from. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, there's a lot of, of stories about sort of the ancient world, a lot of stories about sort of those traditions and how they affect modern culture. And of course, how that conflicts with a lot of modern technological advances. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that's what the original Godzilla was about. You know, this modern technology has created something that feels very ancient. Uh, you know, mo- modernism and the ancient world are always kind of interplaying with one another. Godzilla is now the ancient world. Godzilla is now the symbol of well, the traditional world, whereas Mechagodzilla is now the modern world and the threat that represents. Uh, real uh, and, fast. To, well, to I guess... Yeah. It, Oh yeah, sorry. Oh no, uh, uh, the the Emperor uh, Jimu uh, traditionally dates back to February eleventh, six hundred and sixty BC. 
Okay, yeah, six hundred. Very specific that was, that was too. Yeah. Okay. yeah although, although there's Probably some historical, there's obviously some historical disagreement about that, but yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, we have Godzilla as sort of like the balance between uh, the the ancient world, this ancient deity, King Caesar, and the modern world, which is Mechagodzilla. Uh, clearly this film doesn't feel very highly about the modern world, about technology, because that is something that is corruptible and easily taken over by outsiders. Whereas, where does King Caesar come from? A mountain in Okinawa. Mm. Uh, it is part, like almost literally a part of the country. Uh, has to be sort of called up. And of course, Godzilla is... The, the modern man, the, the, uh, the, the human in the middle of all this that is calling the shots. The uh, the opening of this movie, uh, speaking of mountains, is uh, it's pretty great. It opens with, not with Godzilla, not with Mechagodzilla, but with Anguirus, who mm. has a very important part to play in this movie. Uh, and Anguirus uh, is walking around. Anguirus, like, screams, yells, de- declares something important. We don't have the subtitles, sadly. Uh, and then a mountain explodes and the title cards fly out of the mountain. <laughs> Anguirus yeah. has called has called the movie forth. Uh, and then we, we're going to cut to Okinawa. We're going to see um, uh, sort of the descendants uh, uh, of a royal family uh, who are now living more meagerly, uh, but are very proud and have uh, a, a deep personal connection to King Caesar, which will be important later. Uh and uh, also, uh, uh, aliens. We're gonna have some aliens yeah, again here. Space, because, space apes. Yeah, yeah. They they find uh, in addition to the King Caesar statue, uh, space titanium. Yes, which as we all they know it, is the best. Find it underground. Kind. Yeah, and so they figure, oh, aliens must be involved because there's space titanium, which comes from. Let's bear with me here. Uh, space. <gasps> no, no. Wait, yes. did did they say that in the movie or wait? Yeah, no. It's 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 yeah. heavily implied. Uh and so we've got a scientist who's uh been studying space metals. In fact, he turned his own pipe <laughs> into a weapon through the use, the, the the rigorous use of space metal wherein if he detaches his pipe like from like the the actual like the well where you put your tobacco or whatever you like to put in your pipe uh, from uh, the <laughs> mouthpiece, uh, he can like blow up radio transistors just in case that will be important later in the movie. Yeah, it will. Um, <laughs> so we've got that going on. We've got the whole statue thing going on, and then uh, and this um, there's a prophecy that is coming true that is like in these like cave paintings where we found the statue and the pro it's weird because the prophecy is connecting the film again to something very ancient but it actually isn't all that important to the actual plot of the movie it's just occasionally they'll look up in the sky and be like oh no an eclipse oh that was in the prophecy yes (laughs) <laughs> are we are we gonna do anything about that are we gonna try to avoid it what are we gonna do it's like no it's, it's almost like a it's almost like a ticking clock you know like we'll, we, we'll get yeah. there well, we promise well it i think all that subplot even though it doesn't really play into sort of the alien plot or mecha godzilla at all mm-hmm. uh does provide a kind of mystical balance from for the science fiction stuff and 
it, it's minor, but I appreciate that it's there. And I think it actually really helps with uh, the pacing of this movie, because I think this movie is actually really all paced, especially for Jun Fukuda. Mm. Uh, this is a movie that falls very hard back on, and we mentioned, we already mentioned that this is kind of a lot more like an Ishiro Honda movie. This falls back on Ishiro Honda's a lot more traditional structure uh, as he made the Godzilla movies, the sort of 30 minutes of uh, like introductory chaos. Uh, then at the 30 minute mark, the monsters meet for the first time. Then there's you know sort of the monsters sort of slowly travel toward each other for that second 30 minutes. And then the final 30 minutes is fight, fight, fight. And I feel like that's, you know, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla follows that almost to a T like almost down to the minute. I actually went back and scrubbed through the movie and went mm-hmm. to the 30 minute 60 and 60 minute marks. And yeah, the, the plot points were happening right mm-hmm. on schedule. One thing that's interesting to me about the, uh, the prophecy uh, thing is that when um, uh, the descendant uh, of this, uh, you know, o- Okinawan Royal family, uh, has a vision. They envision a, a monster, a giant monster, a kaiju, mm-hmm. destroying the land and killing everybody who runs away. If you look carefully, we see like little flashes of imagery. Uh, they do show a monster. It's a still image. It's like a painting. Uh-huh. And it's clearly King Ghidorah. It's a three-headed dragon. <laughs> And that doesn't pay, <laughs> oh, yeah. that doesn't pay off. I think that's hilarious, but uh, maybe it was maybe it was supposed to be a misdirect. Like, oh, maybe King Ghidorah will show up. No, we're not doing that. Um, but uh, yeah, so all of a sudden, uh, as they are uh, you know investigating all these space metals and everything, uh, a mountain explodes, and Godzilla pops out. And you can tell something is off because he's but got he... angry eyes. Yes. And he moves a little weird. Yeah. And his movement is, is a little different. And, you know, Haru and Nakajima has, hasn't played Godzilla for a couple movies now, but something about the way Godzilla moves, just off. Yeah, it's a little weird. And, and this is something that, and I think it's worth noting that this is like the 20th anniversary movie for the Godzilla series. Uh, mm-hmm. Godzilla does something Godzilla hasn't done in a long time, and that is indiscriminately wreck shit. In fact, <laughs> Godzilla walks right up to the building, uh, like just some big building. We don't know what it is, what it's for, who's in it, but we know it's there. We know it's a man-made building, and Godzilla just takes one look at it and decides to punch it out like that car <laughs> in the bonus level in Street Fighter Two. Like, I'm just going to yeah. punch the shit out of this thing. I hate this thing. And as Godzilla mm-hmm. is wreaking havoc, who should appear but Angerus? And Angerus... And again, Angerus we, is too smart for all this. Angerus knows that's not the Godzilla I know. Mm-hmm. Godzilla wouldn't do that. And Angerus starts to fight Godzilla. And the human characters... I, I, I love this so much... The human characters are baffled by this. And it's like, wait a minute. Why is Angerus fighting Godzilla? And they actually say this. Angerus is Godzilla's best friend. <laughs> that is <laughs> canon now. That is official. Everyone, Even the humans know that. That they're buddies. Well, you remember when they, they got to have like a little chat? Angerus, yeah. there's something go- weird going on. Go check it out. Yeah. But, and, but I also remember in the last film when Angerus died. 
<laughs> he fell into a hole mm. in the in the like into the center of the earth, and Godzilla was really sad about it, and would just sort of let yeah. him back out. Uh, Angerus is fighting Godzilla, and um, uh, I mean they they met a long time ago. Remember they they, they met in Godzilla Raids again. They 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 have a long history, and that they've been you know enemies, but now they're good buddies. It amuses me that the people in this universe. Not only mm. not only do they know about Godzilla and Angris, because of course they would. Yeah. But they're 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 familiar with their relationships. Like they're following like it's not People magazine, it's like Monster Magazine is actually like keeping track of all of the drama on Monster Island. Like, oh, can you believe that like Monda called Rodan an asshole behind his back and now everyone knows <laughs> about it. But like the idea that like two best friends are fighting and it's weirding people out, it, it's like Imagine if, like, the city of Los Angeles was attacked, not by a giant monster, but by, like, a giant Tina Fey. And <laughs> everyone's like, why would Tina Fey do that? That's so out of character for Tina Fey. Mm. And then all of a sudden, a giant Amy Poehler showed up and started, like, wailing on the giant Tina Fey. And then okay, as you, you think you think I don't want to see this now, I, I, now I have to see. This. I never said you wouldn't want to see this. I'm specifically <laughs> saying this sounds awesome. And Amy Poehler is, you know, Tina Fey is winning, but Amy Poehler is getting in some good licks. And if you look carefully, you'll notice that Amy Poehler has at one point kind of nudged Tina Fey in the arm and like some paint chipped off. And you realize that mm. Tina Fey is like bright silver underneath there. And you realize, oh, mm. wait. That's, that's a mecha That's a mecha Tina Fey, and that's how we start to realize, oh shit, that right there is a mecha Godzilla. And then we cut to like these aliens, and I, I they're just like, yes, our plan is going perfectly. We have created a robot based on Earth's most formidable monster, and I'm like, yeah, why did you frame him? Like, why did you have to, like, pretend to be Godzilla? What was the plan? You're trying to conquer the Earth, literally. Conquer mm. the Earth. Did you want it to be a surprise after Godzilla wrecks everything? Like, haha, it was us all along. Like, it, it, seems like, it seems like an unnecessary detail at that point. Like, it's just for the audience, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, didn't they explain, isn't there a line of dialogue about, like, we, we needed, like, a symbol, or, or am I just... Uh... I don't remember that. I don't remember that. They talked about how like Godzilla is the roughest, toughest monster. And yeah. they designed this in order to copy Godzilla. And they expected Godzilla to show up. They said they didn't expect him to show up quite so soon, which is really funny to me because if you watch the last couple of Godzilla movies, most of the movie is Godzilla slowly walking towards the fight. <laughs> yeah, like usually yeah, yeah. Godzilla doesn't show up until act three. This is really weird that Godzilla's showing up this early. But Godzilla does show up this early, and there's a big fight, and he, like... Like, Angerus, like, has his, like, jaw almost ripped off, but he does, like, walk away. Like, he'll be yeah. fine. We won't see him for another, like, 30 years uh, no, in, it takes, in the movies. It takes a long time for that jaw to heal. Luckily, yeah. you know, these monsters are, as far as I can tell, pretty pretty eternal. I don't think they die yeah. of old age. Yeah, so I, we'll see, we'll see Angerus again. Much, it's going to be too long. Yeah. Much, much later in the series, we're going to, um, uh, oh, what is it called? I think Planet of Monsters is one of the animated films from the Netflix era from like 2018. Ah. But uh, there's a, a Godzilla movie that takes place like 20,000 years in the future 
where humanity left Earth a long time ago and has been living on a ship this entire time. And, mm-hmm. like, religions have formed on the ship and they decide, wait a minute, maybe we can finally go back to Earth. And, you know, all of those monsters that we had to leave behind have finally died. But it turns out Godzilla not only didn't die, but continued to grow it for, like, 200,000 <laughs> years. So Godzilla's still alive and is now, like, literally the size of a mountain. Like, it's bigger than than any of the other Godzilla movies. Yeah, and he was pretty So, yeah, big these monsters don't really die. They just keep on getting bigger and meaner. Yeah. Uh, Godzilla shows up to fight uh, uh, Mechagodzilla. And I, and I love... There's this really funny bit where the scientists are, like, looking up at Mechagodzilla. And they realize, oh, wait... That's a Mechagodzilla. In fact, we should call it Mechagodzilla. And everyone's like, yeah, that's a good name. We should call it Mechagodzilla. And then we cut to the aliens who are controlling Mm -hmm. everything and ready to take over the Earth. And the aliens just call it Mechagodzilla. Yeah. Like, they they heard them. They they already (laughs) thought of that. Oh, yeah, there you go. Like, oh, yeah, of course he's Mechagodzilla. What what else would you call him? What what else is the... (laughs) Like... What, what, God, Godzoid. No, look, that's you, silly. You, you know how you're supposed to deal with like a manager. Like, if you have a really mm-hmm. great idea, you want your manager to approve of. You come up, you come up to them with your idea, but you also construct a deliberately very bad idea that you know they can reject. So it feels mm-hmm. like they're they're they actually have some leadership in the matter. Yeah, and so every once in a while they pick the you're, bad. You're idea doing it wrong. Them, you yeah. can't just say we have Mechagodzilla. We have one idea. You have to say there's Mechagodzilla and. Uh, ro- robo man monster, robo monster. We just, monster. We, we yeah. just had Jet Jaguar. We just yeah, had we, Robo Man. Yeah, <laughs> we have <laughs> we have Mecha Godzilla and we have Jet Jaguar. Well, Jet Jaguar is taken, so we got to go with Mecha Godzilla. Um, as Mecha Godzilla's like flesh gets sheared off of it like a Terminator, um. Oh, I wonder if that's where James Cameron got that idea from. But anyway. Oh, James Cameron's uh, ideas are all completely original. Oh, yeah. Harlan Ellison agrees. Yeah, Um, yeah, Harlan Ellison uh, uh, is a really, really good friend of James Cameron, and they hang out all the time. And uh, Harlan Ellison is on record saying James Cameron has nothing but original ideas. He's very creative. (laughs) That's all sarcasm, by the way. Look up the the legal case between James Cameron and Harlan Ellison. Fair amount of snark from Whitney today. Um, (laughs) But um, where where were we going with this? Uh, Just the alien. You said that the aliens came up with the name Mechagodzilla. Oh, yeah. After the the humans had already debated for a little while that that's what they should call this new monster. Well, I want to talk about the Mechagodzilla design because the Mechagodzilla design is just pure fun. Like it's got yeah. like one of those like metal trap jaws, like mm-hmm. like almost like a bear trap, and it's got like this. It's got like that big squat Godzilla body. Uh, it's yeah, got like right. sharp claw hands that can like shoot out at you and stuff like that. Like it feels like little little. It's got little missile fingers. I love the little. Uh, there's like kind of a a fin on Mechagodzilla's head. It's little little like yeah. shark fin, kind of like at the top of his skull. It's got these big uh, sort of. Almost gun-like nostrils, little yeah. spikes. He, he he looks like a a a robot, yes, but also like a suit of armor. It's pretty cool looking, yeah. and apparently a pretty sturdy one. The only original Showa era kaiju suit 
that is apparently mm-hmm. still in existence is Mechagodzilla. Oh, no kidding. Uh, it's still I, I it's still on display somewhere. I think it, I think it's actually cobbled together from the suits from Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla and the next film, The Terror of Mechagodzilla. Uh, okay. But yeah, that one is still actually you know still in existence and apparently still on display okay. somewhere, and you can you can actually walk by and see the thing, uh, and okay. that's really cool. Hold um, on, hold on a second. Hmm. You can do Where it. Where is the Mechagodzilla? <laughs> In America, uh, this movie was originally going to be released as, I believe it was Godzilla versus the Bionic Monster, or something yeah. to that effect. And at that point, uh, the TV series The Six Million Dollar Man and its popular spinoff, The Bionic Woman, were huge. <coughs> and yeah. apparently there was some threat of a lawsuit, so they ended up calling it... Um, what are they calling it? Like the Co- Godzilla versus the Cosmic Monster or something like that? Cosmic, yeah, it was Cosmic Monster. Yeah, so uh, if you're wondering why there are all these many titles, sometimes there's there's an actual legal reason for it, and you have to be careful. Um, Godzilla gets the crap kicked out of himself by uh, by by Mecha Godzilla. Godzilla is like really, oh, yeah. it's 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 practically embarrassing, uh, and so a lot of the movie as Godzilla sort of nurses himself back to health, and you have to expect the training montage uh, is the humans taking point. Uh, what I do love, and I think this is cool, and I think this is something that we haven't really seen before, but I'm willing to accept it, is Godzilla needs to recharge. Literally. Yeah. Godzilla like walks back to Monster Island, screams and summons lightning that just attaches itself to him and makes his spines crackle, and that's just neat. <laughs> All of that's cool. I, I would like. It looks like he just killed a Highlander. Like it's just like the lightning just keeps striking him and stuff, and he starts glowing, and it looks really, really fun. I, I it makes you like. I don't know. Like in in when I was a kid, getting hit by lightning in your movies or your TV shows or your comics or whatever was only ever a good thing. Like, the worst mm. case scenario, you would, like, briefly turn into a skeleton, but then you're fine again. So yeah, I want to yeah. get hit by lightning. I want to get, like, all supercharged, like Ernest P. Worrell and Ernest <laughs> Goes to Jail, become Electro Man. Like, that feels like that's what we're doing here with Godzilla. Like, he's going to get charged that, up. He's going to be able to take on Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, that wasn't lightning and Ernest Goes to Jail. That was the electric chair. They were trying to execute him. It, listen, it's still it's all science. It's all it's all lightning. <laughs> the, it it's all true. Yeah, it's all it's all real. Yeah. Um. So, uh, uh, meanwhile, the humans. So, there's a couple of different subplots going on. Uh, the an archaeologist and some guy. Uh, end up with the statue and they're like running around and there's mysterious well, it's some forces. Guy. It's, it's like, uh, oh wait, yeah, there's the scientist, there's his, like just his sidekick, his friend. Yeah. And then there's also the Interpol guy, like the sexy spy dude. Right, but he's like, a, he's supposed to be like a surprise character. You think for yourself initially, I've seen Atragon, I've seen these movies. The suspicious guy is probably, you know, a villain or an alien in disguise, or something. And no, he's actually like, you know, Mark Jackson, super spy, cool guy. Mm-hmm. But before then, it's just these two people with a statue on the love boat 
like trying to like make it look like they're not doing anything clandestine while people are trying to steal their statue and it's almost like indiana jones screaming it belongs in a museum except it belongs in a mecha godzilla uh which (laughs) is just as valid if you ask me um I love that, like, when you were kids, when when Indiana Jones yelled, it belongs in a museum, we were like, yes, that's heroism, that's dignity, that does belong in a museum. And now as... Whose museum, though? Yeah, exactly, (laughs) whose museum. And now we look at it, and it was just like, he's still stealing it. Yeah. (laughs) He's still taking it from the the place that it rightfully belongs so that it can be looked at in some American metropolitan area or a British museum somewhere. It's yeah. still not great. He's still a I, different kind of grave <laughs> robber, you know? I've, I've heard uh, the, the British museum referred to as an active crime scene before. Like it's, <laughs> it's like, Oh look, look at all the stuff we stole. Oh yeah, you can give it back. No, no, this belongs in a museum. No, you can give it back. <laughs> just, just give it back. You, you stole it. You had, you got to borrow it for a couple centuries. Now give it back. Thank you. Um. So yeah, uh, what we got here? Oh, so then uh, meanwhile, uh, the scientist uh, gets enlisted by mm. the aliens because the aliens. They're not the aliens who are in charge. We're looking at the middle management aliens. They have been sent to Earth with a Mechagodzilla to wreck shit and hopefully conquer the place. And after their first fight with Godzilla, uh, Mechagodzilla is broken. It's got like a problem with its head in some way. And they're like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to kidnap an Earth scientist and we're going to make him fix it for us. And I'm like, they didn't leave a manual? Like, they didn't, like, bring a scientist with them, considering there's a giant piece of technology that could break down, you never know? Didn't they build it? Like, wouldn't they know better than an Earth scientist? You would think, right? At least someone there has to, right? Mm. I don't know. There's a lot of unanswered questions about those, uh, these particular aliens who are from, um, oh god, what are they? It's like Black Hole Planet or something. Black Hole Planet uh, 3. That's where they're from. <laughs> Black Hole Planet. It's a cool they're, sounding they're planet. The, yeah, they're not the Exians or uh, or whatever the, the cockroach aliens were called. These these are ape men. Yeah. I, and I, and they are. See... When they die, they like transform into like apes because they must be from that planet of the apes I've heard so much about. Uh, they're from the third planet of the Black Hole. That's what they're called. The... Uh, uh, they they kidnap the scientist and they're gonna like hold his like daughter and some random guy hostage unless he fixes Mechagodzilla. And I first I was like, Oh, he's gonna be like Mads Mikkelsen in Rogue One and like put in a flaw or something like that, something to exploit. Nah, he just did a good job and like then he's done. Hmm. Not not really the best plan, but it, it kinda works out in the end, so I guess it's fine. Uh, Godzilla is uh, sort of cornered, attacked, uh, uh, and he's off to the side, and our heroes are just stuck in a Mecha Godzilla, kind of just treading water for a while, while the movie yeah. just waits for the fight to, to resume again. There's a couple of, like, attempted thieves, like, people trying to steal the King Caesar statue, 
And yeah. the scientist is like, I don't want to make a Mecha Godzilla. And they're like, well, you got it. And he's like, oh, yeah. And then he does. <laughs> Here, you know what? It occurs to me that this film did miss out on on a, a golden opportunity because mm-hmm. when the the humans finally do confront the aliens and there's all you know fighting and the aliens are using their weapons it's all from the alien base like the humans yeah. are being held captive in the alien headquarters and it should i it seems to me like the alien headquarters or some kind of fight should have taken place inside of mechagodzilla like there's some kind of antechamber <sighs> inside Mechagodzilla's torso where people could actually have a fight. That's maybe a big there's too much Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe there's not enough space, maybe there's too much machinery to actually operate Mechagodzilla. But yeah. I uh, feel like Mechagodzilla is so huge. It's gotta be like Voltron or Pacific Rim and like everyone's gotta like control different parts of them. And yeah. I'm actually disappointed that there isn't a pilot in there because that's what I want to do. Like, I can't right. be Godzilla. I'd have to, like, you know, we could, like, time machine, magic, whatever. We can fantasize about whatever we want. But the simple fact is, I've missed my window to be Godzilla. Yeah. Uh, I could pilot a Mecha Godzilla if I got my license. So. And you I can, can get a Mecha Godzilla license really. You can get a, a Mecha Godzilla license really young. You, you only have to be, like, 10. No, that that was the joke we said to each other. <laughs> Sorry, your your silence uh, means you didn't get my joke. Um, that was the joke we all told each other when we were kids. That uh, you know you have to wait until you're 15 to get a learner's permit to drive a car and 16 to get an actual license, but you can get a pilot's license as early as age 10. No, so that's we would always true. say, oh, yeah. we we when we're you know second third grade, it's like, well, we can't drive cars yet, but we can get our pilot's licenses really soon. We're going to get our, we all said we were going to get our yeah. pilot's licenses. Now we said the same thing and no one ever did. No, no one could no, afford no. a plane. And that's the thing. I, I went to like a snotty private elementary school when I was little, you know, one that cost as much as a car per year to attend. And, uh, I, so I went to school with a lot of rich kids and even those rich kids, they didn't have their own private planes. They weren't yeah. that rich. Yeah. Um, speaking of people who have something that I'm that I'm actually a little surprised about, the main bad guy, the main villain, the the lead alien who, again, doesn't actually feel like he knows what he's talking about. He's always worried about getting in trouble with upper management, and he's always delegating responsibility. What we see him do more than anything else mm-hmm. is smoke cigars. And I'm thinking to myself, one of two things. <laughs> That's right. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. There's either there's one of two possibilities. Either this is the one thing he likes about humanity is the cigars, and he's going to miss them mm. after he destroys us all. Or those are space cigars. It could, yeah, it could be some sort of alien mm. tobacco smokable substance. Did you ever see the movies? I think we actually talked about it recently. Did you ever see the movie Screamers? With Peter Weller. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen... Uh, it, it's been a while, but I've seen it. Uh, it's it's uh, based on a Philip K. Dick story about, like, people who have, like, colonized the planet and they use these, like, little subterranean robots as, like, a defense mechanism. Uh, but what they don't realize is that underneath the ground they have been improving themselves. They've been sort of autonomously uh, evolving as a technology to the point where they might even be able to look human, for all you know. But uh, that's neither here nor there. The reason I bring it up is 
there is a uh, uh, there's a weird quirk in the movie, and it feels like something that was probably the subject of a scene from Thank You for Smoking. But um, it's like people smoke to help process the atmosphere. So yeah, you always yeah. want to have cigarettes at all times because it helps you like, yeah, oh yeah, that converts that, that to oxygen real nice. Yeah. And I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, that's a little evil actually. Just to tell everyone <laughs> in the audience, yeah, your life could be saved if you don't if you don't smoke cigarettes or you do actually. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm so tired. I'm, I'm still well, moving we, we everybody. Can... I'm really I'm really just exhausted in general. Yeah, I... Um I, the, we, we can move through the rest of this pretty quickly. I think we've covered all of like the major plot points because uh, we we started with King Caesar, so we've kind mm-hmm. of gone through what you know the characters are doing to resurrect King Caesar. Yeah, so uh, uh, they the Godzilla is fixed, and then they're going to kill the whole family, and then a couple of people find them. We mm-hmm. hooray! There's a secret button hidden in a stalactite. Uh, and I just want you to know that I do know the difference. And stalactites are the ones that come from the ceiling because they got to hang on tight. That's yeah, how you they can cling, t- cling tight to the ceiling where the ones on the bottom mm. might reach the ceiling. Yes, very well. Yeah. You learned something today. You're welcome. Uh, and a little, little, uh, little third grade mnemonic device. Yeah. They, uh, uh, the humans like break into Mecha Godzilla and they're gonna try to save Godzilla mid fight. I always like it when uh, Godzilla's having a big fight and humans are trying to help in a way that Godzilla maybe doesn't even know about. There's something about yeah. that that just feels like it's coming full circle in a way that having them be completely separate doesn't work. So hmm. I always like when humans are involved on some level. Uh, and um, Godzilla gets the crap kicked out of him. He's yeah, spurting you, you, blood from his neck. You, <laughs> you, you mentioned, and luckily he can summon lightning to uh, mm. to you know heal himself. But uh, how will Godzilla defeat Mecha Godzilla? What what weakness can Godzilla uh, exploit? And oftentimes Godzilla has defeated his enemies through the power of friendship. By teaming up with Angerus or whoever, mm-hmm. in this case it's King Caesar, in order to save the day. But that's not enough with Mechagodzilla. You need more with Mechagodzilla. And you can't just let Mechagodzilla, like, get shut down and go into repairs again. you got to finish the damn job and get Mechagodzilla back in the fight. Uh, Godzilla's plan, and we saw this with the lightning, is to turn himself into a super magnet. Yeah. Yeah, he electrifies his own body. Yeah, and they cool. say in the and they say in the film it's like, yeah, it's a good thing he can do that. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I guess we're sort of fine with that, but we're not okay with like, I don't know, Superman being able to turn back time or like kiss Lois into forgetting their whole mm. relationship. It feels like we're just sort of adding junk at this point in order to sort of a get through another movie because it seems like they are running low on ideas and like <laughs> um <sighs> and I, just keep the audience excited you know yeah i think um it, it's di- more difficult to uh accept when superman suddenly has a new power because mm. so much of superman stories and movies is about establishing the rules of Superman. 
Here's he comes from this planet. We know his origin story. He gets his powers from the sun. He has strength and eye beams and X-ray vision and bulletproof skin, and he can fly super fast. Well, it's about time. We, we know all of that. So once we have worked with that for a little bit, all of a sudden they introduce something new. It's kind of hard to accept. Godzilla has always been a little bit mysterious. What are the extent of Godzilla's abilities? How immortal yeah. is he? <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going a little hoarse. Yeah. Uh, and so introducing a new power like electromagnetism into Godzilla's repertoire is, is a little easier to accept than Superman. But I understand your complaint. I think it's yeah. I think it's fine that he can electrify himself, especially as he is now going up against an ancient, like or a, an electric mechanical uh, enemy. But here's the thing, and this is mm-hmm. the thing that I this is the thing I can't wrap my head around. Um, how does Godzilla understand the concept of magnetism and what minerals are needed versus what minerals are not? Because mm-hmm. we we don't really see Godzilla hitting the books. You know, like really studying for those finals in electrical engineering, trying to make sure he understands every single aspect in order to uh, be able to take down his various enemies. It would be like, um, okay, Godzilla's got to fight this one monster, and the only way to defeat it is to make it a really killer Denver omelet. And Godzilla's like, I'm on it, and he gets the egg, he knows the recipe off the top of his head. It's like, no, we should at least look up the recipe. So we should see him come up with the idea at least for the dish. Like it's <laughs> it's a little perfunctory as they often are. Um, well, we we don't know. Maybe hmm. Godzilla does have a way of of learning stuff. Godzilla certainly learned, you know, how, how to how to speak. And okay, look, I got nothing. <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we had a bit of a Mecha Godzilla incident uh, happen in the episode just now. Uh, where is that? Uh, what, oh, that's what it's called now—a Mecha Godzilla incident. Well, I, I don't think Mecha Godzilla was very happy about some of the things we were talking about in this podcast, and sort of praising the way <laughs> that Godzilla turned himself into an electromagnet. Uh, so uh, Mecha Godzilla hacked my computer, and we lost like the, the last ten minutes that we originally recorded of the episode. And yeah, from from this point on, you're listening to take two. So sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so that's that's a little weird, but um. In any case, uh, yeah. So Godzilla was an electromagnet. Remember that? Remember, remember that little bit yeah, of business, well, Winnie. It was uh, fun. It, it, in our in our first take, you were talking about how that's a weird thing uh, t- for su- Godzilla to suddenly be able to do. Uh, you said it reminded you of the Superman comics, where Superman like suddenly had a new power. Like, yeah. Wait a minute, and uh, it, it seems to me that it's easier to accept with a character like. Or it's harder to accept with a character like Superman because a lot of Superman media and a lot of Superman comics is are devoted specifically to explaining the rules of Superman. You know what he's capable of. You know what he's supposed to be able to do. When he does something new, it kind of throws you. Whereas Godzilla has conversely been a little bit mysterious. He's you know this amorphously powerful nuclear super being, and we don't know. Uh, what he actually is truly capable of. We've never, we've never seen Godzilla at full power, essentially. So we mm. don't know. Maybe he can do the electromagnetic thing all this time. And he knew he could do that. He's, yeah, you know, well, he's not studying up on electromagnetism. It's just, you know, something he knows how to do. Never, never bothered to share it. 
it, it, he's got an instinct for electromagnetism. You know, like some people are yeah, like, yeah. just like the second they see someone play chess, they know how to play chess. Like that, that was like this thing that was inside them all along and something like really unlocked all of a sudden. And that's, um, that's Godzilla with electromagnetism. <laughs> anyway, Godzilla defeats Mechagodzilla and, um, and everyone's really, really happy, and then they're never going to have to deal with Mechagodzilla again, or or uh, mm-hmm. Mechagodzilla's various terrors. Uh, Whitney, what is the next movie that we're going to be reco- uh, covering? The Terror of Mechagodzilla. Uh, oh, yeah. Godzilla okay, comes yeah. back, and um, if, if you ask like some, some picky kaiju fans, they're going to say that the Mechagodzilla in Terror of Mechagodzilla is actually a separate kaiju. It's Mechagodzilla 2. It was a mm. rebuilt machine because Godzilla was uh, destroyed in the first one. I'm not going to split hairs. It's Mechagodzilla period. That's all we need to concern well, ourselves with. We've, and, we've been calling uh, it, this Godzilla even though he wasn't the original Godzilla. That's true. This is the like second, a second Godzilla. Godzilla. Yeah. yeah. So we're all just, we're, oh, all, we're, fact, we're, all, we're all fine with it. During the Heisei era, they're going to bring Mechagodzilla back. But one of the conceits from one of the movies from like the late 80s was that uh, Mechagodzilla was constructed around the skeleton of that first Godzilla. They like salvaged its skeleton from the ocean floor and built Mechagodzilla around it. That's cool. And then when we get to the uh, yeah. the legendary movies, like Mechagodzilla will be made partly with King Ghidorah's psychic skull. That's right. They have... They have King Ghidorah's skull, and that's how they built Mechagodzilla. I, I, I kind of like that movie, actually. I, there's um, there's fun to be had there. For me, I, I I do think that the one thing that we're sort of um we're, we're sort of dancing around here when it comes to what Godzilla is capable of and what Mechagodzilla is and what Mechagodzilla is capable of uh, is that, and I know we take this all very very seriously, but these are not documentaries. <laughs> people are making they're, this shit up not? as they go along. People are making this shit up as they go along. And people, I, I remember, like, you know, I, I, I see people, like, online talk about things like, um, there's this, uh, there's this, like, kind of, there's this uh, author who had pitched a story to DC uh, in which Superboy, the Connor Kent version of Superboy, uh, would uh, come out as trans. And oh. a lot of people were like, uh, and then and DC didn't go for it, but a lot of people like, like like sort of like look back at the history of the character and realize that there are actually various moments that kind of support that interpretation, and it did, doesn't really come hmm. out of nowhere. And a lot of people are like, yeah, maybe we can just, yeah, maybe, maybe they are trans, and that's a valid interpretation of the character. And some people are coming back and they're saying like, no. Because when the character was created, they didn't think about that. That wasn't part of the original mm-hmm. plan, as near as I can tell. And I'm like, yeah, it's serialized storytelling. They're making it up. <laughs> we're making it all up, and we're we're re we're re like you know mm. reevaluating, and we're sort of uh, uh, letting characters like evolve to meet the times. And when you look back at a character that was made a long time ago and you look at it through a modern lens, you realize that certain things were always maybe there and you can always reinterpret them. And in the case of something like Godzilla, yeah, fuck it. Electromagnet. I don't know. It's been 20 years. What, why can't he be an electromagnet? Have we ever said he wasn't an electromagnet? Hmm. No. Then shut the hell up. Fandom's weird, man. (laughs) Yeah. 
But um, <laughs> I, I, I am a fan of these Godzilla movies, and I'm going to be sad to see the Showa era end. Yeah. Well, we, we got one more. We got Terror of Mechagodzilla. And mm. not only is it one more, but it's Ishiro Honda's uh, sort of bold return to the series. Uh, and after uh, kind of a hiatus, at, uh, what was his last one? Was it Space Amoeba? Uh, that, that, yes, although that really wasn't... or I don't think that was originally intended as a Godzilla movie. Uh, that would be grandfathered yeah, like kind of later. Repurposed by, it later on. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the kaiju crossovers were were kind of afterthoughts. Mm. Um, but uh, no, his his last Godzilla movie, I think, was All Monsters Attack, uh, and now he's he's going to come oh, back yeah, to close yeah. out the series. And I don't know what to expect. I I don't know if this is actually going to feel like an ending to the series because. There's this weird tendency that franchises have when they have like a long running thing where they like announce that this is going to be the last chapter. And then partially because of the attention that calling it the last chapter brings to it, that one ends up making a lot of money. And then they're like, oh, no, no, Jason Voorhees will be back. And then hmm. they'll do it again. And then they'll be like, oh, no, okay, fine. That he, that's still not the last chapter. Sorry about that. Um, and obviously Godzilla will return. Obviously. Uh, but uh, will it be the same Godzilla? We've had two Godzillas so far. Have they done um, a Godzilla multiverse? Yeah. Have like the Showa... Like Godzilla ever fought oh, like the Heisei Godzilla? I think they've done that. I think they've done that in like uh, like video games before. But yeah, okay. no, there's never been like something officially canonical where that happened. I wonder what the most powerful Godzilla would be, and it's not necessarily the one that's like the biggest or the strongest. Uh-huh. It's the which one? Which one's the best fighter? You know, because Godzilla's oh. punched outside his weight class many times. Yeah. Um. I just remembered uh, the title of that animated film for me. It's called Godzilla City on the Edge of Battle. And uh, it, it, it was part of a trilogy. And yeah, the Earth has evolved. And th- I think that Godzilla, like... Was that like he, the biggest yes, Godzilla he is of the all? Largest, yeah. Yes, he is definitely the largest of all the Godzillas. Like, so large it drives you kind of insane. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't think the other Godzillas would stand much of a chance up against that one. I don't know, man. I just it, it's it, the question is: Does the Showa era Godzilla have prep time? Can he like go to Monster <laughs> Island, charge up, you know, and Set get some ready? Booby traps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's what it be. I want to see Godzilla with a utility belt. <laughs> that be he uses all of his classic weapons. Like there's one of the pockets has like rocks in it, and another one has mm-hmm. like that tree he used to try to like, uh, no, it's the tree that got the King Kong used to try to like choke Godzilla out. Um, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Um, but yeah, um, that's it for, uh, uh, thank Godzilla. It's Friday this week. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for joining us. Sorry about the little technical hiccup there. I hope it wasn't too, uh, too distracting. Uh, and, um, yeah, next week, end of an era, but we will continue. We will continue and we will catch up to the modern era of Godzilla every week over yeah. time. Uh, Want to give a special shout out to all of our patrons uh, over yeah, at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Uh, all of our patrons, even $1 a month, get episodes of Thank Godzilla It's Friday a week early. So if you're listening to this episode on the main free 
podcast feed on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you are a patron, you can listen to the Terror of Mecha Godzilla episode right now. Uh, and yep. you also get to listen to the episodes ad free, and you get a whole bunch of bonus shows as well. So we hope our patrons are enjoying their stuff. Sorry that, like, with my move and everything, our productivity has been a, a, a little sporadic lately, but hopefully that's going to equalize uh, now that I'm moved in and things are getting uh, uh, more back to normal. Um, and of course, if you want to talk about anything we discussed in this episode, we have our We've Got Mail podcast and you can send us an email to letters at critically acclaimed.net Whitney what is our P.O. Box? Yeah send us a physical letter to the critically acclaimed network P.O. Box 641565 Los Angeles California 90064 Yeah and we're on the social medias at Critic Acclaim I am at William Bibiani I am at Whitney Seibold uh, and uh, yeah until next time uh, Whitney give us your best rower Hey baby <laughs> But that's it. That's just my, my my bedroom voice. That's as good as I can go. Rower. Wow.